I believe in sharing struggles together and going through life together. But just because they're all in small groups don't mean we can't have our own small group right here, right? So tonight I want to share with you a message called Beauty for Ashes. I know a lot of us have probably heard the scripture out of Isaiah 61. Um, but I, I want to deliver it from a woman's heart tonight. So some of you men are just going to have to put up with me because, you know, us women, sometimes things come out of our emotional place first, right? And then they hit us physically. Whereas with you men, sometimes they come out and then they go through your emotions, right? So just bear with me. But I want to remind us that before we get started tonight, that as sons and daughters of the Most High God, we are resilient people. I guarantee you that if you would look at your life tonight, you would look at yourself and say, I could have never, never gone through what I've gone through in my life and thought I would have made it. But here I am and I'm on top and I'm making the best of what the devil tried to give me a bad situation for. I remember Sister Sharon and I, we were sitting in a big dinghy boat, one of these big float ups in the middle of the lake. Sharon, I don't know what lake we were on. But we were all sitting there, and a bunch, group of us girls was out there, and we were talking and just laughing, and we started getting to share about our life. And one of us had lost a child in our lives. One of us had a spouse that had been unfaithful. One of us had been molested. One of us had been promiscuous. One of us had been deep into drugs and alcohol. And you know what? Tammy sat there on that boat. I'll never forget it. And Tammy was the one who lost a child. And she said, you know what? She said, if we all were sitting in a burning building and someone yelled fire and we had taken our backpack off, this trouble, this ash, this shame, this struggle, this trial that we have been through and we threw them in the middle of the floor and someone said fire and we had to carry one of those bags out, each one of us would go back and carry the bag that we had been dealt because I never wanted the death of a child. You understand? And Sharon and I shared what had happened between the two of us. And she said, I don't want what you got. And I don't want what you got. Because God gives you grace to carry what it is that you got to go through. He helps you. He's there. And he takes what the devil meant for bad and he turns it just enough. Just enough that there's some goodness that is squeezed out in the end. And you're like, yep, yep. That was all worth it. I don't know why that happened. I don't understand. I don't have to know the reason. But what I know is that today I'm better than what I was yesterday. Today I'm a different person than I was then. You are resilient. You are stronger than you think you are. You are meant to hold more, do more, and to be more than you think you can. Because God is with you. So tonight I just want to love on you. I want to encourage you that there is no situation, no situation, ready for you? There is no situation or destruction in our life that is bigger than God can't redeem or save. Every single one of us in this house tonight have had something that's not been good happen to us. Every single one of us. But God just didn't come to redeem and save those in this Bible that he wrote about, his people. You and I are his children. And there's nothing I've done that can't be redeemed. 
that can't be saved, that can't be turned around and made for his good. Nothing the enemy has meant to destroy me. Nothing. Hear me now, devil. Nothing that you set out from this day forth that you could do to destroy me can. Because God is with me and he is my identity. Amen? All right, so here's where we're going to start. We're going to start in Genesis 2-7, and I'm going to read it to you for uh, time's sake. I know we've got about 45 minutes tonight. That's it, maybe 40, because we have small groups. It says, when he formed us from the dust, that he breathed his nostrils, or breathed into our nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being. This is talking about you and I. This is Adam. But what I want to remind you tonight is that the breath of life did not stop giving life after God breathed it once. When God breathed his life into Adam, life continued. The very provision of God's breath that gave man life is the very breath of God that will sustain you and I through every trial and every struggle and every place of shame, brokenness, and ash in our life. God's life continues, his breath, to breathe life into our dead, dry, ashy places. You get that? Ash is something that's been burned. Ash is something that's dead. It's lifeless. But God says that when I breathe life into what you thought was dead, I give it new life. And I give it beauty for your ashes. So here's what I ask you tonight. Can each one of you identify something in your life that possibly you have been hanging on to that has created an ash in your life? For example, some of you have been hurt. Some of you are self-destructors. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. You get so far in life, but once you get far enough in life that you think you can mess up, you begin to destruct it yourself so that you chose to destroy the situation rather than to admit that you might fail because you're really fearful of what could happen. Maybe some of you have control issues, control issues, and you don't know how to let those things go. I see you girls back there smiling. Yeah, they're giggling. You're making a list in your mind of things that have brought you to these places that you've got to decide to let go. And I say decide to let go Because here's the problem. Everyone knows that the first place of healing is admitting that you have something you need to let go. That you have something that was meant to make you stronger, but you allowed it to burn you and you left it there. And since it's burned you, you're just done. I'm not picking it up. I'm just going to leave that there and I'm not revisiting it. We're just going to ignore it and act like it never happened. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's not what God wants for that part of your life. He wants to take what was burned. He wants to take what burnt you and turn it into something beautiful. He wants to make it into a super bloom. We'll talk about that a little bit later. This is the great exchange between the Messiah and I, and you and him. He didn't come to give you something bad for something bad. He came to give you something good for what was bad in your life. It's a great exchange. It's as simple as me saying, Chuck, I'm going to give you this $10 and you give me one of those apple pies. Kathy's still making pies? Well, you could tell her I'll give her another $10 and she'll make me another apple pie. That was amazing. 
Chuck's wife makes apple pies. They're great apple pies, and he sells them. It's an exchange, right? Chuck's getting what he wants, and I'm getting what I want. But in the relationship with Christ, you give him the nastiest, the brokenness, the, the, the most horrible burnt thing in the world, and he takes it from you and gives you something beautiful in return and doesn't ask for anything else. All you have to do is say, I want to let it go. I want to let it go. If you want to hang on to it, you can keep it. But I promise you, if you keep it and you walk around with it long enough, what happens if you have a, let's just, let's just say a piece of coal. Anybody ever picked up a piece of coal? You gotta, you know, you have a fireplace and you put all the wood in there and then it all burns down and you've got to take the coals out in order to get more wood back in. But here's the problem. It don't matter how clean you try to be with those ashes. They get everywhere. It's this dust that's in the house. And before you know it, later you'll touch yourself and it smears black all over you. It's in your clothes. It's in your hair. Even your nostrils. When you blow your nose, black ash comes out of your nose. Why? It's messy. If you hang on to the ashes, it will get messier and messier and messier. And before you know it, you will begin to feel dirty and ashamed when chances are, if you'd have just given it up in the beginning, you would have never felt that. The great exchange. So what do ashes represent in the Bible? The Bible says that ashes were used as an expression of grief, loss, shame, shame of something they had done wrong. So they would put ashes up on their head and they would fast and they would repent so it, re, it re represents repentance. But take all of that and it's a realization of where things should be and how far from the mark they've become. I know this is what I'm supposed to do, but this is what happened and I can't get past what happened. And I would rather hang on to it than let it go. I'd rather hang on to it and let it destroy me and make me dysfunctional, and make me emotional, and make me miserable than I would to face the struggle and to deal with the problem. So let's go to Joshua 7. I got two stories for you tonight in the Bible where they used ashes. Now Joshua is leading the people of Israel. And in the seventh chapter, the first verse, it says... But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebedee, the son of Zariah, and the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now what had happened is that they had gone into battle and they were specifically told, do not take anything out of that city. Leave it all. It's cursed. We don't want any of it with us because the city had been worshiping other gods. And God did not want them to bring those idols and those things into their camp. Okay? Well, Achan didn't listen and Achan took it. Okay? So speed on up here to the third verse. It says, and they returned to Joshua and said unto him. Now they went to view this country they were going to go do a battle with. 
And they came back to Joshua and said, let's not take all the people up there, but about two or 3,000 men go up and smite Ai and make not all the people to labor thither, for there's just a few of them. In other words, the army's not that big. We can take them with a few of us. Let our people rest. It'll be fine. So they went up there, 3,000 men, and they fled before Ai. And the men Ai smote them, about 30 and six men, for they chased the men from before the gate, even into the Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted, and they became as water. In other words, they got the snot beat out of them. Why? Because Achan had sinned. Okay? So this is what happens. Joshua rent his clothes, the leader of the Israelites, tore his clothes and fell upon the earth, upon his face before the ark of the Lord. This is where the presence of the Lord lived until the even tide, he and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads, ashes. They were shameful. They were repenting because something had gone wrong. But at this time, Joshua doesn't understand. And Joshua says, at last, O Lord God, where thou hast thou brought all these people over the Jordan, deliver us into the hand of the Amorites. O Lord, he's just re repenting before the Lord. I'm sorry. I didn't know this was happening. Blah, 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 blah. And so what they do is finally it says, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all of its inhabitants of the land shall hear of it. And they shall in come around us. And cut off our name from the earth. And what will they do unto thy great name? And the Lord said to Joshua, get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken.